Welcome to Mary's Cup of Tea, the self-love podcast for women. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski, an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that will inspire you to love yourself. Hello, self-lover. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure you know about my two books on self-love. If you're struggling with body image or self-acceptance, then I highly recommend you check out my first book, The Gift of Self-Love. It's a comprehensive workbook to help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to love who you are. Thousands of people have this book and the five-star reviews are so amazing. They give me so much life. So I hope that this is something that can help you too. You can get it wherever books are sold by searching for The Gift of Self-Love or go to my website, maryscupoftea.com slash book. After releasing The Gift of Self-Love and reading all your positive feedback, I realized that we really needed something to keep us going every single day. So not a deep dive workbook, but maybe like a micro dose of self-love in your daily life, which is why I wrote 100 Days of Self-Love. It's a guided journal with, you guessed it, 100 prompts that cover so many areas of life, including body, identity, purpose, emotions, mindset, relationships, and more. So you can really think of it as a metaphor multivitamin, something to keep you going, or as I like to say, growing on your self-love journey. You can get this journal wherever books are sold as well by searching for 100 Days of Self-Love or go to maryscupoftea.com slash journal. It's my mission to share all the self-love tea with you. So I hope that both my books and this podcast can do just that. Today, I thought it would be fun to recap our honeymoon. Tell our listeners all about Tanzania and Zanzibar, how that went, funny moments, recap, reflections, recommendations, because it's one of those big epic trips that took me quite a bit to plan. And I hope that more people can go and not get discouraged by the planning process. So let's take it away. Absolutely. We are here. I'm here. I'm glad that you and I have a an opportunity to share our insights and kind of look back and relive certain moments of our honeymoon together. I love the new layout also. The chairs are definitely comfortable for us to sit in and have a conversation. It feels like we're just kicking back and having a conversation. At our therapist. (laughs) (laughs) So firstly, why did we decide to go on a safari? Why Tanzania and Zanzibar? Because we, as privileged as this sounds, it took us a really long time to pick a honeymoon destination, I think, because there's so much like pressure and expectations around making it the most epic thing ever. And it was. But there were moments that we were like, maybe we should just not go anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I've traveled quite a bit, nowhere as, as many countries or have seen as much as you have. But I know that we wanted to pick an area that was special to us both, an area, a place that we have not experienced, something new for us. And the process took a lot longer than we would have wanted it to. And when we finally nailed it down to two areas, two countries that we wanted to visit, it was either Thailand or a safari. Didn't know where exactly, but we wanted to experience animals. We wanted to experience Mm -hmm. something different. Thankfully, you took the lead on that. Well, we almost pulled the trigger on Thailand, but what was proving difficult is planning a trip 
in like July, August to Thailand because that's their rainy season. So you can still have a great experience, but you're limited to certain areas. And there were a lot of things that I wanted to see that was on some of the islands that would have like, you know, storms and hurricanes and stuff like that. Maybe not hurricanes, storms. And we're like, do we want to be wet on our honeymoon? <laughs> right. And we the, the main decision came around the specific season of, of when we wanted to mm-hmm. leave Arizona because we live in Arizona and it's brutally hot here in the summertime. So we're like, yeah. okay, so we want to leave at this certain time of the year and where can we go? And by process of elimination, Thailand, unfortunately, didn't make mm-hmm. the cut because yeah. of the wet season. Still on the bucket list though. Then we looked at Croatia. Right. We looked at Fiji, Maldives. And the thing about, okay, Croatia would have been cool, Croatia and Slovenia. But one of our criteria was like, what's something that we really won't be able to do with kids? And Croatia is more or less accessible and affordable. But then when we were looking at like Fiji, Maldives, it was so much money right? for five days. And I just like could not justify that. Could not justify it. And both you and I, we we love the beach and we love to kind of just be beach bums, for lack of a better word, right? But we we love to explore. We love to be on the go. A little bit of time on the beach and just to kind of unwind. But then what's next? Yeah, like we wanted everything. We wanted animals. We wanted culturally enriching. We wanted a little beach time. We wanted to be on boats, but also on land. And like Tanzania literally checked all of those boxes. Yeah. And what was it for you? Let me ask you this. That made you want to say, you know what? Animals for me, I want to see them in their element. I want to see animals in the wild. Well, remember, Goose is sniffing at our door right now. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when we first wanted to do a safari, but then we talked ourselves out of it because aside from the cost and the travel time, we also don't really like being lonely. Like we do like to see people, right? And so at first we kind of like told ourselves for some reason, this wasn't true, that being just around animals with just the two of us, which is everybody's dream honeymoon, we were like, no, we like people because, you know, we like to like just get to know locals. And thankfully between like our guides and everybody who we'll tell you about in a second, what made me decide that I want to see these animals in real life? Because I just, I realized I'm like, that is ridiculous. Like watching National Geographic, it's not the same as seeing something in real life and just and being there. And I don't know. I just, I knew that no matter where we chose, it would be special. Every place has something wonderful to offer. But Tanzania, it's just cool. And it's like so Rich, I mean, the Tanzanians are biased, but they'll be the first to tell you. They're like, we have the most diverse landscapes. We have the most national parks in like a very small area of land. And South Africa is interesting too, but they're big on wineries, right? Mm-hmm. We weren't going to go all the way there and not go to a winery and you don't drink wine. <laughs> I don't drink wine. Not a fan. <laughs> so South Africa is kind of out, but Kruger National Park in South Africa was definitely up there. I think South Africa would have been my choice if you drank wine, truly, because the wineries is like what it's known for. And I think Cape Town is like, a, again, that good blend of like locals and lively and cultural and not so great history and (laughs) all of those things. But Tanzania just felt a little bit more raw. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Yeah, that's great. For me, it was more 
as a kid, spending time with my grandfather, whenever we went to grandma and grandpa's house, the only thing he would be watching is either soccer, which is football, or National Geographics. So the, for me, it was always bonding with him. <laughs> and I got to live that moment with you at the same time and had multiple points of reflection, thinking about like, grandpa would love this moment, oh, just really? in the moment to see lions and elephants and zebras and vultures and just just being consumed by all of that made me feel so special and a point of me became like accomplished like i've made it in a sense right yeah it just kind of reflects my bucket list of something that i've always wanted to do mm -hmm. and i'm so happy that we got to do that together i'm sure grandpa has instagram up there <laughs> and i shared everything it's all in he those instagram all. highlights yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was very like romantic and granted, not all of it, you know, a lot goes down just like with traveling anywhere, but it was also so meditative. Also, I was surprised that we had more service than we thought we would. Surprisingly, the service was. Service was great. Impressive. Bathrooms were great. Like, again, these are things, these are reasons why I really recommend Tanzania because my mom went to Kenya and that also was like part of the reason why I wanted to go on a safari. And she said it was amazing, like loved every moment of it. But when we were debating between Kenya and Tanzania, Tanzania kind of won for me. Yeah, <laughs> It has straight flights from Europe. Like if you're coming from Europe. Yeah. And it's not as expensive as some other things we considered. So I'm actually like very proud of our budget. We'll get into that later. <laughs> but let's talk about my favorite thing, <clears throat> which is geography. <laughs> Can we just establish that Tanzania is in Eastern Africa? It is in Central East Africa. You've proven me wrong on this multiple times. And yes, <laughs> Mary's the type of person that will bust out a map on her cell phone. Any and chance I get. wherever she is, whatever she's doing, it'll come to a halt. And she'll say, let me pull this up and let me show you. And yes, we can establish that's exactly the location <laughs> of Tanzania. <laughs> My goal is to learn all 66. Is it 64 or 66? Oh. Minus two points for Mary. Countries in Africa. Where's your phone? But on our way there, the first TSA guy at Phoenix Sky Harbor, they're like, where are you going? I'm like, you know, it's me and my husband's honeymoon. We're going to Tanzania. He goes, what's that? Yeah. And then I'm like, it's, you know, a country in East Africa. Oh, me and my wife went to Hawaii. There you go. <laughs> we had so much in common right then and so there. Much. You felt connected, or at least he did. I feel like the least you can do when you travel somewhere is learn a couple of words and just get familiar with the geography because that will let you communicate. Like when you ask your guide, where do you live? And our guide was like, I live in Arusha. And I'm like, oh, we drove through Arusha. Like, I know where that is, you know, instantly you can actually have a civilized conversation. Whereas sometimes I talk to somebody from New York and I'm like, where in New York are you from? And they're like, I'm from uh, Harlem. And I'm like, I have no idea where that is. And I don't even know why I asked you because New York geography is not my forte. Right. And thankfully, I picked up a couple words and it's nowhere as close to the amount of words that you picked up because you made it a mission to communicate with locals. <laughs> and boy, were they surprised. Every cab ride that we got into, every person that we connected with, you just followed up with your extensive vocabulary 
of local language. <laughs> it was mostly animals. <laughs> it was mostly animals. I'd like look at something. I'd be like, oh, that's as big as a kiboko, which is a hippo. <laughs> Double take. What did you say? Anytime. <laughs> Swahili is also exceptionally satisfying as a language. It I is a beautiful language. It yeah. Yeah. It's just heartwarming. It feels lyrical. It just made sense. I'm like, oh yeah, that is a kiboko. Like that's exactly, if I was creating my own language, that is exactly what I would call a hippo. Right. It sounds like it's more pleasurable. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I really loved about it. And when people speak, you can see in their eyes and their in their tone that it's just a beautiful language. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I love Tanzania so much. I want to go back. I might start crying because I miss our tour guide so much. But one of the concerns too, speaking of like between Kenya and Tanzania, going back to that, the yellow fever vaccine, not something I really wanted to do. I'm clearly not an anti-vaxxer, but I just didn't want to be like feeling unwell <laughs> during what was intended to be more of a romantic trip. And originally I wanted to do both Kenya and Tanzania because the biggest park, Serengeti, it's on the border of both Kenya and Tanzania. So I'm like, oh, it makes sense to just do both countries. It's even easier to fly into Nairobi than it is to Kilimanjaro. We literally could have saved thousands of dollars if we flew into Kenya. But that yellow fever vaccine is required if you're traveling to Tanzania from a high-risk country and Kenya is still considered a high-risk country. So we said, okay, we're going to pay a little bit extra. We're just going to stick to one country, not risk, you know, feeling not great before our trip. And that let us not have the yellow fever vaccine because if you're traveling from the U.S. or Europe, you don't need it just for Tanzania. Yeah, I'm sure that we missed out on quite a bit. But when we weighed out the pros and cons, the last thing we wanted to do is have any downtime. From what we've read online, it seems like it would have taken a couple of days to really get back into feeling quote unquote normal. Yeah, my mom said she was so sick. Yeah, and I'm glad that we made that decision because halfway into our trip, I did get sick. And <laughs> yeah. gosh, is it brutal. It's the worst thing ever to get sick on a trip. It's the last thing you want to do. I know. But for me, I've already accepted like I'm going to get sick. I'm at the very least going to have explosive diarrhea. I have explosive diarrhea when I go from Phoenix to San Diego. <laughs> you know, it like doesn't matter where I am. I, you know, had episodes in Portugal, Spain. I was projectile vomiting. <laughs> I'm always sick everywhere I go. Bali, every time I get it. And at a certain point, you're like, we're just Jewish with sensitive stomachs. Yeah, I was going to say, is it the excitement? Just new food, new water, new everything. It's bound to happen. But malaria was definitely a concern. And we did have the prophylactic because I actually was supposed to host a retreat in Zanzibar. So I got all the medication for that. Still had it. It was expired. But I brought it anyway. And I'm like, I'm just going to land there and talk to the locals about the malaria situation because... Technically, you're supposed to start the protocol in advance. This is not medical advice, but I just was getting such mixed results when I was researching. So I'm like, I'm just going to go with the locals. It wasn't rainy season, which means less mosquitoes. And I still haven't fully figured out the malaria situation. Yeah, I, I think that the internet tends to be a little conflicting because you can find arguments on both sides of things. And when we looked into the CDC, they said definitely get the malaria medication started ahead of time. And when we arrived, locals were saying it's been years since they've had any cases yeah. of malaria. And like you said, thankfully, we 
traveled in a season where it was not wet, more dry. We had our fair share of mosquitoes. Yeah, but we were always wearing long sleeves anyway. And we had repellent with us. We had repellent. We had long sleeves. Nobody else was worried about it. I mean, when you look at locals and they're not worried about it, there's over a thousand different species of mosquitoes and only 1% of them can contain malaria. And even after that 1%, the odds of you getting it from a bite go down even lower. And again, the prophylactic is very hard on the body. Like our driver was telling us there are people who come and they're taking the malaria medication. They have to quit their safari and go back, like go to the hospital or go back home because of the medication that's supposed to prevent you from from getting it. Mm -hmm. And you're like unlikely to get it anyway. I don't know. I hope I don't get canceled for this, but we didn't take it. We had it with us and everybody was super chill about it. Except for on our last night, remember we had that dinner outside and suddenly all the mosquitoes come out and it's our last night and we finally like settled in. We're wearing short sleeves like for the first time ever. It's an hour before our flight and we see all the mosquitoes come out of the dark. And again, we had dinner with locals who did not seem worried about it at all. And I remember she had a swarm, maybe about 20 or 30 of them. Black hair. (laughs) Yeah, hovering over her head. And she's like, oh, this is fine. Let me just have some um, repellent. She's holding her baby. Exactly, yeah. And all the restaurants that we went into had repellent on the table. So that was easily accessible. Yeah, and avoiding colors like black and blue also because the mosquitoes like attract to it. So that's why you're wearing lighter colors, not just for the aesthetic, though. That's what I thought at first. (laughs) (laughs) But the lighter colors do help from mosquitoes. Okay, let's recap our itinerary. Run with it, yeah. So we had a long-ass layover, a 22-hour layover in Zurich. Mm -hmm. Because your wife decided that since we can't really afford first-class business class flights and sleep on our way over there, it was really hard to sleep. Once I saw this route, I thought maybe sleeping in a hotel bed adjusting to the time zone because Zurich and Kilimanjaro are only one hour time difference. I'm like, if we can land there, have a good night's rest, adjust to the time zone before heading on our way to Tanzania, I thought that would just make the experience so much better and prevent many travel fights that (laughs) sometimes happen when we travel. They do happen. Yeah. And thankfully, that's exactly how that worked out. It worked out perfectly. You planned it and you nailed it. I think the most important thing is getting a good night's rest as you continue the trip, having a break in the middle of it. And we got to experience Zurich as well. Yeah, which was too expensive to enjoy. (laughs) and We were too tired. But I think we spent more money in Zurich than we did in Zanzibar. Yeah, beer for $15. Um, Train tickets for $70. Yeah, just to take you uptown and then back downtown. But again, outside of the cost of it, I think the people are just so wonderful there. I had to go back to Switzerland. My favorite moment was when we went to the cafe and I was so tired and I just wanted to sleep. But, you know, it's our first and only time for a while in Switzerland and Zurich. So I really wanted to explore. So I'm like half asleep walking like a zombie. We sit down at a cafe and then I like drape my arms over you put my entire body on your back and just knock out. Night, night, Mary. Knock out. It's like (laughs) 11 a.m. over there. And I wake up about 40 minutes later to my husband being like, excuse me, can I please have a chocolate ice cream? And I hear like some uh, German in return. 
and I'm like kind of waking up. And then I hear you go, I can't get up. My wife is sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) And that's ironically what woke me up. Chocolate ice cream was great. Thank you for that. Yeah, they have wonderful pastries. Yeah, Switzerland was cool. But what was even cooler was landing in Kilimanjaro. Firstly, we flew over Kilimanjaro and I told myself that I would leave the plane if the pilot did not say, on your left, everyone, is the famous Kilimanjaro. And he did say that. So I got to stay. And that was really cool. We flew into the sunset. A beautiful, beautiful view. Yeah. We landed in Kilimanjaro and we got picked up by a female driver, which is huge. Mm-hmm. We only know that because our tour guide the next day was trying to make small talk with us. And he was like, who picked you up? And we're like, this really nice lady. And he goes, he was a she? <laughs> Because in the swarm of all male drivers, this like 30-year-old woman was super badass, had so many stories to share. Yeah. She picked us up. Apparently, it's not a common thing for women to be drivers, let alone. I might. Yeah, it was closer to 930. Mm -hmm. We got a little delayed, but we finally made it to the Airbnb where we were staying. Yeah. Well, wait, hold on. We need to do this female driver justice. She quizzed us on Swahili, on all the animals. She drilled us and made sure that we were prepared for safari. Granted, we just traveled for like 45 hours and she was giving us tests and said, if you get the answers right, you can get a candy. I wanted that candy. And we did not. (laughs) We did not not get it. it Because we didn't know the big five when we first landed. She felt bad for us and then gave it to us at the end anyway. (laughs) Pop quiz, what are the big five animals? I'll say two. You you run with the rest because I could only remember the two. Lion, the rhino, uh, water buffalo. Lion, rhino, buffalo, hippo, and leopard. Leopard. Yeah, which is surprising. But I think it's because it's rare to see. Rare, indeed. So she dropped us off at a place called Haradali's Home in Arusha, which had exquisite reviews on Booking.com, and they did not disappoint. We arrived at the most beautiful, warm welcome by this sweet family and their children, hugs, first name basis, home-cooked three-course dinner all set out for us at like 10.30 p.m. And it was just so romantic. How many times did I tear up at that first place? Yeah, it was a beautiful moment because you felt like you were a family member. The whole family came out to greet you. Everyone introduced themselves, gave you a tour of the property, gave you a tour of your casita where we were staying, Mm -hmm. and then made sure that you were fed and said goodnight. And that was such a humbling, such a wonderful feeling. I could understand why you would tear up. Yeah, it was really special. And then the next morning, my credit card didn't work. And I got so flustered. I was like, oh my God, now they're going to think I'm sus and trying not to pay. And nobody was worried about it. The owner texted me and she's like, here's a payment link whenever you get on Wi-Fi. And I'm like, we're driving. I'm trying to get it through to her. I'm like, I'm so sorry. She's like, don't apologize. This is Africa. Your credit card won't always work. Yeah. Even our driver said, don't you worry about it. When you get a chance, you'll pay for it. Yeah. It's just a trust system. It's a beautiful system. Yeah. And our driver, Kishé, greets us with his little baseball cap, which will forever be (laughs) ingrained in our memory. I have such a special place in my heart for that man because he made the entire experience. I'm sure every single tour guide in Tanzania is lovely based on the conversations we've overheard and the reviews I've read, but I still am biased toward the fact that we had the best guide. Hands down, hands down. Kishay literally took us under his wing and 
made our trip that much more special. He wasn't just a tour guide. He felt like he was like a family member in a sense, right? He wanted to make sure that we saw everything. We got the chance to experience everything. It wasn't more an, an itinerary. Here's what we're going to see. But at any single moment, if we had a request or needed something, he made it a mission for himself to make sure that we felt fulfilled. Yeah, always. The first thing he said was when he debriefed the itinerary, he was like, who planned this? I was like, I did. I'll take full credit over this. He's like, this is the perfect itinerary. So we did one night in Tarangiri National Park. We did one night in Lake Manyara. We did two nights in the Serengeti because it's a huge park. And our last night was in Gorongorong Crater. So it was total five nights, six days. We got a little tired toward the end but I wouldn't have shaved off a day either. I feel like five nights, six days, you're all safaried out. You see a lot, especially that first day. I felt like we saw everybody the first day and we're like, there's going to be five more days of this. Yeah, going into it, you don't expect to see as many animals on the first day because you feel very excited, beyond excitement at that point, that you're here, you're there. And you get a chance to actually see wildlife. And on the first day, I remember going into the first park, you see zebras from a distance. And I overwhelmingly took so many pictures that I think half of my storage on my phone just got backed up. I think that's why your phone just died. <laughs> All the photos of zebras that we had to clear out. Yeah, definitely deleted tons of zebra photos. They're like New York pigeons. You New say. York pigeons. Yeah. After a while, you're like, oh my God, just another zebra. Our tour guide's like, why are you photographing all these zebras? The zebras get old, right? But even by day five or six, you're like, oh, okay, it's just a lion. Just a lion. Yeah. <laughs> this is the last, 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 last lion. lion. That's what our tour guide said on the last day. <laughs> and then what do you know? Five more. Another lion. <laughs> it was just so romantic and meditative. You know, seeing these animals in real life was is like breathtaking and emotional and yeah, every every day was more and more emotional. But that first day at Terengeri, where we stayed at the Simba Lodge, that forever has my heart. And the reason why is that at the lodge itself, there's a pool in the back. And about maybe 40 yards away, there is a water hole. And when that water hole gets dried up, the elephants come up to the pool and drink the water out of that pool. And that is a sight to see. I'm pretty sure that you shared it on your social media, didn't you? Mm -hmm. That was just incredible. You know that I'm not a huge fan of most supplements because of their misleading labels, questionable ingredients, and false promises. But then there's Ritual, made for skeptical people like us that care about our health in a non-diet culture-y kind of way. I researched a ton of vitamins and thankfully landed on Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. Let me tell you, taking this vitamin is an experience. Firstly, it has a minty essence that makes taking your multis actually enjoyable. And the bottle is transparent, as are the capsules, which have nine key nutrients in two relatively small capsules per day. I was also impressed with their third-party certifications, rigorous testing, and even a peer-reviewed clinical study on the exact multivitamin I'm taking. So if you're a science geek like me, you can read that study on their website. And thanks to their commitment to traceable ingredients, you can trust what you're putting in your body. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. 
Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash Mary's Tea to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 plus to your subscription today. And in the buffet, the food is just so delicious. The chef came out at night and asked us how we enjoyed it. The people there, the visitors, were also very nice to the staff, which I kind of took note of. All the people visiting were nice to the local staff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody was really lovely, travelers and locals alike. That first place was called Tarangiri Simba Lodge, and that was actually one of our Maybe it wasn't completely budget, but I think it was just like one step above budget, like mid-range. It's a couple hundred dollars, and that was like literally a highlight. I could have stayed at places like those the whole time and been completely satisfied. Like I feel like when we came to the Four Seasons at Serengeti, it was nice. Yeah, I agree. But not necessary to have a good experience. It felt like we were back in the States somewhere, right? There was no really special feeling, whereas the Symbol Lodge, it was luxury it was camping. camping it was glamping, yeah. yeah, and it was incredible. And I mentioned to you that the next morning that I could have sworn that I heard a lion close by, even though that they weren't really advertising that there was lions nearby. There was a lion, the staff confirmed, and he was very close and breathing very heavily. And apparently they do that to notify any other lines that are close in the area that I am here. This is my campground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so cool. And the staff confirmed it because he said that they were doing, the security was doing like rounds with their flashlights. And they definitely heard them. <laughs> yeah, fun fact, if uh, you can't go out alone after sunset, you need to call the front office, wherever it is that you are, even at the Four Seasons, and notify them that you want to step out. And then you have to be escorted by... Armed guard. Uh, armed guards, mm-hmm. yeah. Because the animals, they're out there and we're visiting their property, you know. But yeah, Tarangiri, that first park, I think it was just like so overwhelming because it's a small park with lots of animals, lots of elephants, and Lake Manyara, the second place that we drove to, it was a little more mild. Lots of monkeys. Kishay called it monkey business. But then we got surprised by elephants also. And all the other guides said that elephants usually don't go there. So I felt like they came out for us. That was definitely a sight to see. And I think that he shared a story with us of why. Why did Bab... (laughs) I forgot about that. Why do baboons have red butts? (laughs) So I'm like, Kishay, why do they have red butts? And he goes, it was a cold, rainy day. And then the story begins. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to tell it? You go with it. No, you tell it. You're so good at impressions. That's like my husband's secret talent is he's really good at impressions, but he can't really do it on the spot. Thank you for always putting me on the spot. I'm going to take a step (laughs) back now and let you tell the story of why baboons have red butts. Feel free to chime in. So it's a cold, rainy day. And all the baboons gathered for a town hall meeting. They said, what are we going to do about this rain? So they all sat and thought and thought about how to prevent themselves from getting wet in the rain. And then the rain stopped and they continued on with their lives. The next time it rained, I feel like I'm butchering this story. My takeaway is that monkeys are always just sitting around. Sitting on their asses. Yeah. So they walk away. The next time it rains, they call another meeting. They're like, what are we going to do about this rain? They sit, they talk and talk and talk. 
And then the rain subsides and they move on with their lives. And this kept happening time and time again. So the takeaway is that the baboons just sit on their asses, <laughs> never do anything. And there it is. And that's, that's why the their butts are red. Yeah, and that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, that was funny. I almost forgot about that. And Kishay had so many stories like that about everything. Like, remember when we, I was filming a video of this hippo pooping? Yeah. Because I was relieved that I wasn't the only one having explosive diarrhea. Um, he goes, why do hippos wag their tails when they poop? Fun fact, they wag their tails when they poop. I did not they know that. when they poop. So I said, why, Kishé? And he goes, because when God made the hippos, the hippos really wanted to be in the water. And God said, no, you can't be in the water because you cannot eat fish. You're actually a vegetarian. And the hippo said, but God, please, daddy, I want to be in the water. And God said, okay, fine, but you have to promise that you won't eat the fish. So now every time a hippo poops, he wags his tail to show God, look, no fish. No fish. <laughs> oh, I just love all that's the hilarious. fables. So many fables. I love his stories. Yeah, he, it was the best. My favorite lodge this was a luxury one. I have a hard time deciding between that first one with the elephants that came so close mm-hmm. and this luxury lodge that we stayed at called Escarpment. It was all the way up on a cliff overlooking Lake Manyara. And it's actually Tanzanian owned, which is rare because like obviously the Four Seasons, the Malia, those aren't owned by locals, but this one is Tanzanian owned and operated also. And it was just so special. The decor, they had this dinner in the bush set out for us at a campfire. As always, the staff was lovely everywhere, but you know, we got a little honeymoon suite room upgrade. And that is where we met our friend. Steve. Steve. (laughs) (laughs) So that video is at 5 million views now. It went viral and it's, uh, well, you take it away. We tried to have a video or a couple pictures and a video of a romantic sunset of us just laying by the pool. Like swimming in the infinity pool. Swimming and just kicking back, lounging around. And little did we know that we were going to have a fellow swimmer in the pool at the same time. And it just so happened that she decided to do some laps in the pool back and (laughs) forth and back and forth. And I don't blame her. If you've been traveling, you know, you've been sitting for an extended period of time, you really want to stretch out your muscles and get those joints stretched out as well. So she went in the pool and did a few laps and it just so happened that- She did a couple dozen laps. (laughs) We we got that on film and it went perfect with the filter of me and you and Steve. Yeah, it's that song, Steve. (laughs) When I sped it up, the timing was just immaculate. And that was like one of the highlights. We laughed so hard. Yeah, we shared it with our friends and family. And and everyone said, this is going to go viral because it's just so perfect. And (laughs) I applaud you for putting it together. Well, a lot of people got their panties in a bunch because apparently influencers filming stuff in public is so annoying and... They projected that we were angry and we weren't. It was actually like the funniest thing ever. That's one thing that I loved about this honeymoon is that we laughed so much. And we laugh a lot anyway, but not this much. I think it's just between like the animals, the stories we got told, the funny interactions with just like people from all over the world. Not as many Americans, like mostly Europeans. I think Steve was like there with 
another couple. So, so Steve's a woman. Yeah, she was there with her son and his his wife, his wife or fiance. Yeah, probably the wife. Which is why it's funny that she was Steve because she was also their Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still sweet nonetheless, and she was a really nice lady. It was just funny. Anyway. Then we set off to Serengeti National Park, which we got all hyped up about because this is supposed to be like the climax of the trip. We come to Serengeti. We've already established that the Four Seasons was lovely, but huge and overwhelming and like... A little too commercialized. Yeah. The food was good, but not great. I had the steak. It was overcooked. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's actually where I went downhill that night. Well, you keep talking about how you think you got sick because of the steak. If it was overcooked, there's no way. The doctor said that it was norovirus, the 24-hour virus that they they get over there. Thankfully, after 12 hours, I bounced back and we continued on. The doctor was really funny. (laughs) That whole interaction was so much fun for me. I know you weren't feeling well. Stan was running a fever and I was laughing. I'm glad that both of you bonded. (laughs) Yeah. And then he said, you're probably going to get it too. And mind you, four or five hours later, I wake up in the middle of the night with the shits and then proceeded to have them the rest of the trip, which wasn't the most romantic thing. But again, I've kind of accepted that this is my destiny to shit myself wherever I go. And again, the importance of having clean bathrooms Everywhere we stopped, the most beautiful part about the bathrooms is bidets. Bidets, yeah. And that's why, again, that's why I would recommend Tanzania because I didn't have that kind of accessibility to bathrooms even in Spain or Portugal, you know? But in Tanzania, every single bathroom is spotless. They all have bidets, very frequent stops despite you being in like remote and rural areas. There's always someplace to go to the bathroom. So you don't really need to worry about that as much as you'd think, being out in the bush and all. Yeah. Uh, Speaking about being out in the bush, we stopped on numerous occasions driving from point A to point B to have lunch. And the beautiful thing is that these lodges packed lunches for us and for the driver, which I found really impressive. Yeah, it's because we booked with a company that provided full board. So... The tour company that we booked with, which it was fine. I wouldn't recommend it just because I didn't really know about how the business of it works. I think if you could find a tour company that is owned and operated by Tanzanian people or by, you know, whatever country you're visiting, that would be much better. I didn't know that ours wasn't, sadly. But Booking through a tour company, I think, is kind of what you do when you go on a safari because otherwise you have to piece all of this together yourself. You know, you have to figure out your lunch and and the hotels and the drivers and the game drives. And there's a lot. And going through a company is like definitely the way to go. One hundred percent. Right. Food was really good everywhere. No trash. Right. That's one of the things is that no, no plastic bags are allowed. No plastic bags allowed in Tanzania. That's right. After, well, kind of during you not feeling so well, we still tried to go out for a game drive, saw lions, which was very beautiful because they were just... Existing. Existing, (laughs) yeah, if we were existing with them. And luckily, and again, this is why I'm like, I'm torn about the Four Seasons because I'm glad you got sick there because even though we came back early from the game drive, we still got to enjoy the property. And similar to the first place we stayed at, 
they had a watering hole where the elephants came up close, but not as close as the other place, you know? And I thought like, I thought this place would be it. I thought it would be like, you know, and again, the scenery was beautiful. Nothing about that at all, but just that highlighting that you could probably do a very epic yet relatively budget-friendly safari without making the mistake-ish that I made, which was getting really caught up and like, we have to stay at the Four Seasons because we're coming all this way and this is the best hotel. And like the locals will tell you like that is the best hotel in the Serengeti, but that doesn't mean that the other ones aren't just as great. Yeah, I think you pay a premium for the location, specifically with that watering hole. Mm -hmm. Because even though we stayed at the Simba Lodge and they had a watering hole, it was probably a fraction of the size of what the Four Seasons has. But it was two feet away instead of like, you know. Yeah, 50, 60 yards away. Yeah. It's still 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 magical. Yeah. Yeah, every single morning, the whole family of elephants would make their way to the watering hole And then you would see the zebras and it was just so magical just to see them so close. Birds, yeah. And the Four Seasons also has some really nice suites that also look out to it. Our window looked out into the bush where just the zebras and the gazelles and impalas were out, but we were kind of over those. And then the pumbas. (laughs) Oh, the pumbas. The pumbas pumbas have no necks. They have no necks. So we get to Gorongoron Crater, which is where we saw the majority of the pumbas. This is a beautiful park. It's a big crater. How was it formed again? It was a volcano that encaved itself. Yes. Yeah, you're right. So it's not like an asteroid crater. Mm -hmm. It was a, a volcano that what happened? It erupted, it got destroyed, and then... Yeah, so I'm assuming that it encaved after an explosion. Mm-hmm. After we got stuck in an elephant traffic jam, we were on the hunt for rhinos, who are the only big five that we didn't see. Not so fun fact, there's only a hundred rhinos left because they are endangered in like all of the world, I guess, all yeah, of Tanzania. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. There's only like a hundred or two hundred, and we didn't get to see them, but we saw pumbas with no necks. <laughs> So they have to get on their elbows when they want to graze. And it's the funniest thing. It is. It's hilarious. Yeah. And the buffaloes with their hats. <laughs> the male buffaloes. The female buffaloes have a very small little hat. And the hippos with their poops and the baboons with their butts. And the elephants when they're like kicking dust and they're always so playful. And it was just so, so cute, so funny, so romantic. Yeah. So that's kind of towards the end of our safari, right? And at that point, the the driving really didn't affect us until it did, specifically for you. Yeah. Your lower back started to really give out, I think, all the vibrations that our bodies took. Yeah. It's definitely not an accessible trip, sadly. Mm -hmm. But we saw quite a lot of kids, a lot of elderly people. So I don't know how they were feeling. Maybe they did shorter trips than we did. But on that last day, I was in a lot of pain. I had to take an ibuprofen, which solved everything. I'm a big fan of ibuprofen now. (laughs) Poor thing was laid out in the back and our driver was so worried about you. Really? Didn't know what what he can do. You also developed a stomach ache. And for him, he resorted to, first of all, Coca-Cola. And if we take it back a little bit, when he found out that I was sick... Um, well, first <laughs> when I said stand sick, he didn't hear me correctly. So he thought he said I was sick. And that was the day that I wore my really cute Ralph Lauren jumpsuit. And he goes, 
then why are you wearing that? You clearly don't know how to go on a bush drive because if you need to go in the bush, this is not a good outfit. <laughs> he made that very abundantly clear. I'm like, no, not me. Stand second. He was like, oh, okay. Well, good thing is he's wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, if, if you have a stomach ache in Africa, they believe that Coca-Cola is the solution to any kind of stomach aches. Yeah, so he prescribed. Dr. Cachet prescribed a cold Coca-Cola. <laughs> exactly. And then he continued on to say that he has the antidote to surprise the bacteria that's growing in my stomach, right? So he said, no, 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 you have to surprise it. And you surprise it by taking this medicine. And then it says, oh my God, I need to go. And your bacteria, <laughs> the bacteria leaves your body <laughs> because you surprised it. <laughs> the reason why we found this so endearing obviously it was the way he said it, but also because most people would say like, you have to kill the bug, right? But Kishé is such a gentle man that that doesn't even exist in his vocabulary. He's like, no, you have to surprise the bacteria so that it's so surprised. It says, I can't live here anymore. So I have to go. <laughs> he, that brought some humor to, uh, to our lives at that moment. Yeah, we laughed so hard about that. We did not take that antidote, but it was nice to have it. The doctor gave us some other regular anti-diarrheal medication, which made me constipated for three days. And then diarrhea came back. And again, that's just kind of like a part of traveling. It's nothing that stops me. Mm -hmm. But then we flew to, again, we flew out into the sunset from Kilimanjaro to Dar es Salaam. And that was a relatively impromptu stop that we decided to make because I am thinking about venturing into selling tea for my special podcast listeners. I feel like Mary's Cup of Tea, the podcast, goes really well with a cup of tea. And I found a supplier from Tanzania because my favorite tea, which is what I'm drinking right now, mm -hmm. is hibiscus. So I started searching where is the best hibiscus grown? And the places that I got narrowed down to was Hawaii and Tanzania. So I'm like, wait, I'm going to Tanzania. I started doing a little research there. And there's a really special tea company called Kaziyetu. They do like very ethical, fair trade farm to, they called farm to table. Anyway, they work directly with the farmers to produce tea that is exceptional because it's all organic. The leaves are so big. It's not just like powder or filler, like a lot of the teas that we have in the States are. And I started looking more into them, got in touch. And they were like, why don't you come see our facility since you'll be out in Dar es Salaam? And we flew over there to do just that. We did. And they opened their doors with a song, with a beautiful celebration. <laughs> the song is called Jumbo Baina. Baina, I think. Jumbo, Jumbo they, they Mary, the <laughs> yeah. and Stan. Jumbo, Jumbo, Jumbo Mary, Mary, and Stan. No Stan, honestly. I was just, <laughs> I was there. Uh, and thankfully, Steve. I, I took some photos and took some videos of that. But the whole experience was just absolutely wonderful. I, I felt warm and fuzzy inside, honestly. Yeah. And they're on a mission as well, right? To create jobs in Tanzania. Yeah. Everybody who works in the facility are women, mm -hmm. a lot of moms, a lot of single moms. They have probably like a couple dozen employees. And it was just really special to see where, I mean, we didn't get to see where they grow the tea because that's like farmers more out, but where they, you know, store it, package it. Every single tea bag is hand packed because in order to measure it appropriately. So each tea has the same 
ratio for the specific blend, you have to hand pack it because like a machine can't do it because certain ingredients sink to the bottom and then other lighter ingredients float to the top. So you don't necessarily get an even blend. Just seeing the amount of like heart and care that went into this whole process made me really excited. So hopefully Mary's cup of tea <laughs> will be out soon for that everybody. Is very exciting. And let alone it is delicious. We had a taste yeah. sampling as well. And oh my goodness, I am very excited. Oh, thanks, babe. It's going to be hibiscus with add a little bit of spice. And I think <laughs> hopefully people are going to love it. You know, now that I think about it, this blend that we made, it tastes like our experience in Tanzania. It was like warm, fresh, mm-hmm. romantic, flowery, light, but with a little bit of spice. There you go. <laughs> and it all comes together so well. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. We were only there for less than a day before we flew out to Zanzibar, which is where we decided to end our honeymoon. I've had Zanzibar on my radar for a long time because I was supposed to host a retreat there. That didn't work out because of COVID. And I thought since we're going all the way over there, we might as well tack on an island vacation. What a beautiful place we ended up on. Zuri was absolutely stunning. Well, first we landed in the city. We stayed in Stonetown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, again, <laughs> felt you getting a little tense, just like landing anywhere. You're just getting familiar with the surroundings, with the environment. And I'm curious to know what your first impression was of Zanzibar. What I was expecting is, as a tourist, being flooded with locals trying to sell you things and them not taking no very lightly, right? Because the places that we've visited before, they're very much in your face. But I was genuinely surprised there was none of that. There was a, hello, how are you? Please come inside, take a look at our souvenirs. Everything is handmade. And if we said no, they leave it right then and there. Whenever we needed some sort of advice or recommendations, The people, the locals were very open to giving us their recommendations of where to go. Yeah, they'll literally walk you across town. And they'll walk with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling. No pressure from locals at all. Yeah. So one thing to know about Zanzibar and what makes it so culturally rich and special is that it is 99% Muslim. However, it is a part of Tanzania, which is predominantly Christian. There's a lot of history there. There's sadly a lot of former slave trade also happening there, not to the Americas, but rather to the Middle East through Zanzibar. And in 1964, after or during the Tanzanian revolution, Zanzibar became a part of Tanzania, even though it's wildly different. And the religion is totally different. I mean, they all share a country now, but it's different. It's like going from a Christian place to a Muslim place. And we're Jews. I'm going to say some non-PC stuff now, but arriving in a place completely surrounded by people who I, I'll speak for myself, I have been told are like the enemy of the Jewish state. And then like now being on their territory, like that was a little bit of a culture shock for me. And every minute spent there just was beyond humbling and educating. I feel like that a Tanzania in general, Zanzibar especially, just like made me a better person because like realizing firsthand, not just being told 
Muslims are very peaceful. Like we know that conceptually, but being immersed in it and experiencing every single man standing in front of you becoming like a father figure and like getting so close, like I have goosebumps talking about it. I think that's the difference between like reading about a religion and being like everything we've been told and all the Islamophobia that we've been exposed to in the U.S. is not only not valid, but also like it is literally the exact opposite. Yeah. For me, you know, they had the prayers five times a day. And in the beginning, the first night that we were there, I had chills running down my spine, not necessarily in a positive way. But as time went on, days, a couple of days, even after the first night, just waking up to that, it brought a sense of calm. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is a beautiful voice. It's a beautiful, soothing voice and a beautiful, soothing experience that I felt. And I haven't felt that before because what I've seen in the movies is something completely different. Mm -hmm. And what we've experienced in Israel-Palestine is very divided. Yeah. And like, you don't go there. Yeah. I think the first thing that came out of my mouth, my parents are going to shit themselves (laughs) if they knew where we are. Surprisingly, your parents didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also, your parents grew up in Uzbekistan and everybody around them was... Predominantly Muslim. Yeah. yeah. So they were probably a little bit more used to that, whereas we got like just some mixed secondhand information. And I'm so glad we got to be in a place like that. Right. Same here. It was so beautiful. Like Stonetown, so much history there. It's just so, again, you feel like not necessarily like you've traveled back in time, but just like you're in a different world almost, right? Just a different culture, a culture where a dad walks his girls home from school for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. We saw that multiple times, right? Midday. It was beautiful. Very involved men, I will say. Very involved men in like the family life, as it seemed from the outside looking in. We went paddle boarding with Two Winds Paddle Sports. It's my friend Arshin's company who I was supposed to host the retreat with. And she gifted us for our wedding a paddleboarding experience to my husband's demise. One of the best experiences I've ever had. <laughs> Challenging, Though yes, you... in the beginning, but... <laughs> I think you forgot to tell your face. <laughs> I kept convincing myself, as you saw in the videos that I had of GoPro wrapped around my neck fell off my paddleboard maybe Many seven, times. eight times. And my a... hair, you can see, like, my hair's completely dry. <laughs> I am dry. We had an hour, right, paddleboarding, and I probably fell off every seven minutes Yeah, or so. And I had my phone on me, my hair's dry. <laughs> <laughs> Lost my glasses somewhere. Yeah, you yeah. were flopping around like a beached whale on Thankfully, that the water was just so soothing and so perfect. Yeah. You're in the Indian Ocean. It's called Chikwani Bay. So it's like a bay and there's mangroves, which are also some endangered species of plants. You're in the Indian Ocean, but also like kind of in a bay. It was just so beautiful. Very calm waters. Yeah. Had champagne out there. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. Yeah. Shout out to them. They provided us a, a wonderful opportunity and memories that will last mm-hmm. a lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. And then we ended our honeymoon with our last two nights in Zanzibar. We stayed at a hotel called Zuri. And this was probably the most beautiful resort I've ever stayed at in my life. It was unique. There was a private beach. It was definitely a splurge. It was a splurge. Well worth it. So worth it. It was half the price. It was less than half the price of the Four Seasons. And I would stay there time and time and time again. Highly, highly recommend it. 
I think it was just like thoughtfully made, intentional interiors, a cuisine that was like, just like you could tell this was developed by like world-renowned chefs. Their lunch options were just fantastic. Again, the dinner, made reservations at a wonderful restaurant. It felt like we were at a Michelin restaurant. Absolutely delicious. Thankfully, you and I share everything. So we got a chance to nibble on each other. Just as, yeah. <laughs> so we had two dinners there. It was so lovely. And we went there. We booked an excursion, not through the hotel. So this is something that's kind of sticky. I know sometimes people like to book experiences through the resort they're staying at, which I understand, like they kind of hand you everything, but they are charging you like double and triple the price, not paying the company as much, pocketing some of that money. Luckily, there were some locals standing on the other side of the private beach. So they have like a section blocked off. They're standing just past the border, you know, waving you down, trying to get you to book an experience. And it's literally the same exact boats. It's the same exact guides. It's the same exact thing. It's just a third of the price. And once we built a little trust, tested the waters, literally, we went on a wild dolphin chase. Little do we know that was actually going to be a, a dolphin chase. The way that they painted the picture is that dolphins love humans. And <laughs> as soon as they see you or as soon as they see the boat, they come over to you. And You'll they can't wait for you to jump in the water <laughs> with them. You can swim with them. And that was anything but <laughs> the truth, right? The dolphins want nothing to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it became a game of hide and seek. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. And I think you really enjoyed that, right? Jumping into it. I felt like you were like a Navy SEAL. There it is. Go for it. Go for it. Felt like a very untrained Navy SEAL because they, <laughs> they don't tell you like how fast you have to like get out with your equipment on and chase the dolphins, like quite literally swim after them just to say you swam with them. I don't think that counts as swimming with them. I think that's swimming after them. After them, right? <laughs> Swimming towards them. Uh, I did it once and I was like, all right, I'm tapped out. You go ahead, Mary, you enjoy this and I'll just be your photographer from the sideline. That was really fun though. So fun. And we came out to a private island, which is cool. The rumor is that it's owned by Bill Gates. It's not. It's owned by some resort. There's a resort on an island called Memba, which is off the northern coast of Zanzibar. And you can only get there by boat. It has clear, clear teal water. You can snorkel in the coral. It's really, really, really nice. And th that's where you, if you look up photos of Zanzibar, you'll see like a, a strip. What is that called? Yeah. Yeah. A landing strip. Anyway, when the tide is low, you can see the land. And you and can walk on it. You can right? walk on and it. That's the cute, cool thing about mm -hmm. it. And it can be ankle deep of water, or it can be knee deep, or it can yeah. be six feet deep. So you can yeah. actually walk along this little strip of sand in yeah. a sense, right? Yeah. We spent a couple of hours there and it was just absolutely beautiful. Something that I didn't want to leave from our guide chopped up some fruits for us. Fresh fruit. It was delicious. Brought out a whole ass pineapple, watermelon, bananas. There was a couple fresh. dozen of other boats there. So there's quite a bit of people there. So we got a chance to interact with people. You got noticed there. Right. By a lady, a gal oh, came up to you and was like, oh, my God, are you Mary? And yeah. took a photo with her. So that was really nice. That was so sweet. That She's like, really sweet. I'm from Germany. I follow you on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what are the odds? We're 
on a remote island off of a remote island in <laughs> Eastern Africa. Shout out to Germany. That was really, really cool. And after our wild dolphin chase, just hung out by the beach, had a couple of last meals in Zanzibar. And then we we went on our first, well, my first ever business class flight, well courtesy deserved. of husband. Yeah, it allowed us to unwind, right? Because jet lag... I was definitely jet lagged when we got back. Because you decided to watch movies the whole time. I actually like was horizontal (laughs) asleep (laughs) and I didn't have any jet lag. That changed my life. That flight changed my life. Everything was just so special. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about was seeing Arsheen's foundation. My friend Arsheen, the same one who owns the paddle sport company, also has a transitional house for orphans coming out of the orphanage once they turn 18. It's really hard for them to like go out into the adult world after living in a home for so long. So the home she has called Daraja, it's a foundation where they get like mentors, they have a place to live. A few of them have gotten into like universities and gotten scholarships and getting back on their feet once becoming an adult. And that was really cool to just see what she created. We had saw her place, had dinner with her, and then we flew out. Yeah. Yeah. That was a special moment. Beautiful home. Yeah. It was really nice. I think the whole trip was like, I don't know, we had a little bit of Zurich and then we landed in Kilimanjaro and we stayed at B&Bs. We stayed at Luxury. We did the safari. We went to Dar es Salaam, like one of the busiest cities in Africa. Got to do a little work, business stuff, and then flew out to the island, had this fantastic island vacation and like a historically, culturally rich experience in stone town and met a friend met multiple friends made friends right yeah that's that's one thing that i really love about us is that we compact so much and it's just because we love interacting with people we love exploring if it was anyone else they'd probably say that seems like a lot to do on your honeymoon Mm -hmm. but i think that is what made our honeymoon that much more special yeah I think we like that always. We like a balance of things. We're not like lay on the beach and drink people all the time, nor are we like climb Kilimanjaro people, nor are we, you know, like wander the city people. We just like a little bit of both of everything. Mm -hmm. And I think Tanzania just really offers that. So one of my goals in recording this episode, aside from allowing us to reflect, is just to like from the bottom of my heart, cannot recommend it enough. I want more money to go there in the form of tourism. I want people to just see the beauty of of Tanzania, Africa in general as like such an underrated place to go. And like, I hope that in a few years, it's going to be just as common, at least for Americans, to travel there as like Europe. You know, there are only so many times you can have your European summer. Try a Tanzanian. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely loved it. It's somewhere that I would hope that we can go back to yeah that'd be really special wait we didn't talk about the budget like we promised i mean we spent a lot this was like a trip that it's kind of like our last hurrah before hopefully having kids and we had a a budget and we did splurge like two three times tacked on that business flight and everything i think after calculating everything to the penny if you're considering going to tanzania for two weeks, like literally doing Tanzania, Safari, Zanzibar, all of that. If you're smart, if you're good at budgeting, you can definitely do it for under eight grand for two people for two weeks. That's huge. Yeah. 
And that would be like more mid-range. Like that's not even budget. If you want a glamp, you could probably do it under five grand for both, for two people. And again, that's not as much as some people spend on like an all-inclusive resort in, uh, what's that one popular honeymoon destination we were looking at? It's called like Sugar Resort at like somewhere in the Bahamas or something like that. Anyway, I think this was just so much more bang for your buck. Yeah, the travel is a little bit longer, but it depends on, for example, where you're coming from. I think it's well worth it, especially if you're going on a with budget in mind. You could definitely pull it off for a two-week trip and just get to experience some of the wonders of the world. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we covered that because I think some people look and I had to do so much research to get a budget. And the first blog I read when I originally talked us out of doing it is because I read a blog post and she was like, we spent 25 grand. And I was like, whoa, like that's not feasible. But then luckily I came back to it, did more research, made a spreadsheet. And I'm like, I think we could do this for under 10. And we did. Yeah. Did a great job. Thanks, Dave. Can't wait to relive the memories over and over and over again. Well, we have the pictures and now we have this podcast that we can listen to. So I am grateful that we had an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation (laughs) about this. Same, same. And let's go have some lunch now. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks again. Hi, hello. It is Mary and... And Stan. We are recording this audio only after we recorded the original Honeymoon Recap podcast episode because... There is something that we forgot to mention. I forgot to tell you my knee slapper of a joke. And that joke made everyone laugh, including Mary herself. Well, I was the only one who told and heard and laughed at the joke. Yeah, I guess you're right. Everyone (laughs) kind of just played it off. (laughs) (laughs) But hopefully it makes you laugh right now. So, So ask me the question. Mary... If for whatever reason you've pivoted into a different direction in, in life and you became a rapper, what would be your stage name? <laughs> my name would <laughs> be My name would be Wildebeest. Chicka chicka yeah. <laughs> Give it up. Will the Beast is on stage. Wildebeest, you get it. It's one of the animals on the safari and I was wheezing because I thought it sounded like a rapper name. Forget about Will I Am. It's Will the Beast. Will the Beast with a D. Duh, duh. Thank you. Thank you very much. One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.